You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. It's your pet preview podcast here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard, we've got a full show for you today because we haven't said this in a while, Tim, but it's game day and Syracuse finally... (laughs) Getting a taste of real live competition. We've seen the Twitter videos that they are back on the practice floor. And it comes against a Pitt team who is experiencing a similar layoff here. The Orange haven't played since December 19th. And the Panthers haven't played since December 22nd. So it might be a little bit sloppy out on the court. But we're going to break it all down for you here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Before we move any further though... Got to go check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And also, if you're new to the show, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Only place to get daily Syracuse podcasts. So we're in your inbox every single morning, Monday through Friday. And we'd love to have you along for the ride as we continue to chug through, albeit difficult, but we are (laughs) chugging through the Syracuse season. All right. So Pitt right now has one of the most embarrassing losses of the season. It came early on, their opener against St. Francis. Uh, the epitome of brutality, as John Rothstein would say, an 80-70 to 70 loss at home to a team that most people have never even heard of. They have played a handful of, of uh, ACC games so far, played a very shorthanded Miami team that only had, I believe, six guys because of COVID protocols. They end up winning that game pretty easily, and then they lose by double digits at home against Louisville and now have this bout with Syracuse. So I'm looking at this game, and we know that Pitt is going to be shorthanded. We don't know exactly the magnitude, but we know that along with Justin Champagny, two to three other guys are going to be out. As of us recording this right now, we don't know who those two or three guys are going to be quite yet, and we probably won't know until we get to a shoot-around scenario. But this is a shorthanded pit team that Syracuse should be able to run it up on. They're number 80 on Ken Palm, 5-2 overall. They do have that one win over Northwestern on the road, which at the time felt like just the game that you should not even watch in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Now Northwestern is a legit team. It was probably one of the most entertaining games of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And, you know, Champagny stole the show in that game. He was 20 and 20. And without him, that's huge. Now, the real, the question on who are the other two or three is significant. I feel like I don't even want to really lean one way or the other just because it's pure speculation. I don't really know, but I feel like they have to be significant contributors. I think Capel confirmed in his press conference that they are scholarship players. So if it's three total on top of Champagny, we are looking at nine or eight scholarship guys right there that are eligible for this game. So they really could be in trouble. And if it's starters or guys that we'll get into maybe here that sort of stand out when you look at their personnel, then really Syracuse should have no problem handling them. That's one of the things that I think helps Syracuse is that, again, you're, we, we saw what happens when the rhythm gets disrupted with this team because they're so offensive reliant and they love that three ball. So we've seen what a pause can do to kill the offensive role that these guys can be on at times. And it's kind of nice that you're going to get that and maybe then some from Pitt because this is a team that already isn't that great offensively, especially shooting the ball. They're outside the top 200 in the country in three-point shooting. They don't shoot free throws well, and they really don't operate in the paint too well. They're more of a defensive-minded team, but... 
I want to see what what happens with two teams. Going to be a little bit of a defensive struggle, and without Champagny, I mean, that that's a guy who, and he's not part of the COVID protocols. He's a true injury. I believe it's a leg injury that's got him out for six to eight weeks. But Champagny, I mean, if you Syracuse fans are gushing about Quincy Garrier. But Champagny is Garrier on steroids right now in the leap that he's made. He's already had multiple games of 20 and 20 this year, 20 points, 20 rebounds. And he's a six foot six guy who operates on the wing. Pr- pretty similar role to what uh, what Garrier provides for the Orange, but it's just the same thing. But he's almost doing it at a higher clip than what Garrier is doing right now. He's a, a large part of their production and what they do offensively. So it's a gigantic loss for them for sure. And, you know, you put it on, honestly kind of mildly when you said they don't shoot the ball very well. This is last year. They were one of the worst shooting teams in recent Power Five memory. I was reading a thing on Three Man Weave and they kind of did a breakdown of the team and they pulled some data on basically the effective field goal percentage is a stat on Ken Palm that doesn't just take into account what your field goal percentage is, but it values like the type of shots that you're attempting right. and it's just a like a three point shot. They they put it into account that a three point shot is worth more points yes. than a two point shot. It's as almost opposed like to just clumping it all into one percentage. You'll see this thing thrown around a lot in NBA circles: true shooting percentage, where it's a lot different, and it's like sixty five percent is good in that, but regularly maybe fifty percent is good. So anyway, it's just a better way to calculate field goal percentage. And last year, Pitt was 45% effective field goal percentage on Kempom. That was 342 in the nation, which is one of the lowest marks than one of the worst marks that a Power 5 team has had in the past five years at any sort of season level, whatever. So they, they were a terrible shooting team last year. And honestly, they haven't been that much better this year. Xavier Johnson has played a little bit better for them, and he was pretty underwhelming last year. A lot of people expected him to make a sophomore leap at the point guard position. And point guard is huge for their system. So they really need him to be one of those guys that is eligible to play. If he's not eligible, then this should be a cakewalk for Syracuse because he's kind of the key to what they do. They like to run a lot of pick and roll, which is going to be tough against the 2-3 zone. And we kind of talked about how Syracuse's defense can be sort of the get-right team for a, a team that maybe is struggling to shoot the ball. But I don't know if Pitt is, I don't know if they meet the criteria to yeah. do that. <laughs> Because they just don't have a lot of guys that do shoot the three ball. Uh, like, I'm looking at it. You're missing Champagny. He's got the second most, or third most attempts, rather, on your team in terms of three-pointers t- taken. And then on top of that, you've got Xavier Johnson, who's an all-right three-point shooter, about 35%. Odis Tony is probably the guy you need to watch. He's he, does, he hasn't shot a ton of them. He has missed some games, but he's shooting at 40% right now. But outside of that, you've got... Ethiel Horton, who's made a third of his attempts. He's this their season. best then, shooter, I'd say. Yeah, and no one really has has taken a bunch. So, and if you figure maybe one of them's missing for this game, I don't think that Pitt is a, a team that can quote unquote get right shooting the three ball against Syracuse because they don't have enough guys to do it, and they might even be without some of those guys in this game. No doubt, I, I do think that. They're just a bad shooting team, and it doesn't really qualify. They don't have a Trey McGowan's to put in a team. Right, of, yeah. Like, he left for Nebraska. He was their three-point shooter and a guy that gives. Or when they had fits. Cam Johnson, too. Yeah. Yeah, or when they had Ryan Murphy last year, who's a Charlotte transfer, who is also transferred out of Pitt now. That's, so they, 
were one of the worst shooting teams in the country. I just laid out the stat, like in recent memory last year, and they lost arguably their two best shooters. So honestly, their stats might even be a little bit generous in terms of where they will probably fall into once they get through ACC play and they start dealing with some tougher competition in terms of three-point defense and everything. The one thing they do have going for them is they're a pretty good three-point defense. They're 21st in the nation right now, holding teams to 26.5%. From beyond the arc. So that's the good news when you're evaluating how they match up against Syracuse from a pit perspective. But outside of that, I mean, this really should be a cakewalk for Syracuse. The more I dug into the numbers and the more I evaluated how this pit offense with the lack of shooters matches up against the 2 3 zone, it really feels like a nightmare scenario for them. All right, quick break to tell you guys about the best tasting protein bar on the market. You know it, it's Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar 2 is even better because guess what? They're pumping out new flavors left and right, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. The list goes on and on, and that's on top of the 12 already amazing flavors that they have in their inventory. It's almost like when the ACC added Syracuse. They had your classics like Duke, UNC, all those great teams, and now you're adding in a Syracuse, a Louisville, all that other stuff. That's what Built Bar is. They're just adding to an already great thing. The bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And if you're trying to maintain weight, gain weight, whatever it is, you can eat Built Bars because they are a delicious treat and they're perfect for any health conscious person. They're low calorie, low sugar, and high protein. Just take the peanut butter brownie, for example. 19 grams of protein packed into that bar. So if it's the best way to reward yourself for a workout is by topping it off with a great tasting Built Bar because it's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And right now, go to BuiltBar.com and you can use our promo code LOCKEDON and you will get 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. I want to play a little devil's advocate here. And while I do think that Syracuse rolls in this game, here's a reason why they might not. Okay, so we know how much the shutdown and stuff has impacted Syracuse. I think they they are probably the case study for this because they've had individuals or the team as a whole has been shut down and then restarted so many times. But here's the devil's advocate point is that Pitt is a team that is more defensive minded. Whereas Syracuse is a team that is certainly offensive-minded, and the way that they are going to win games this year is probably with their offense more so than their defense. Is Syracuse a team that can struggle offensively, and especially coming off a pause, will they struggle offensively, and is that going to create some problems for them? Because if it turns into a game of defenses, then Pitt might have the upper hand. Yeah, I mean, I get that point. I see this game more honestly as like a 70 to 50 beatdown from Syracuse. I don't think they're going to win by winning at 90 to 72. Like, I think Pitt is just going to struggle to score. And that's weird to say because I agree with everything you said. We know Syracuse is a better offensive team than they are defensive. The thing is, Pittsburgh's coming off a pause too. They're going to be down at least their best player. And then you'd have to think just by law of averages that probably another starter, and the way that Jeff Capel sort of just went ahead and brought it up, I almost feel like it's probably a decent chunk of like their rotation and, and some key players for them. Again, we don't know who the other players are, but if they're down all that, they're coming off a pause, 
And just the fact that Syracuse, even though they were bad defensively last year, arguably maybe even worse at times, they really helped Pitt in check for the most part last year. And this is kind of just the same offense where there's a lot of point guards and it's very guard oriented. They do a lot of their plays through their guards and they just chuck a lot of shots, even though they they really shouldn't because they're a terrible shooting team. So I, I think Pittsburgh might struggle to get to 55, 60 points in this game. And ultimately, the offensive issues of Syracuse coming back off a pause won't really matter that much. That's fair. Yeah. And and listen, I I had to put the qualify out there. I still think Syracuse rolls in this game, but just wanted to throw out maybe a counterpoint and something to look for if this does turn into some sort of defensive game. I I do want to hit on the rebounding, too, because we can talk about Champagny and all he means to the offense. But what he means from a rebounding perspective, I, I'm looking at Pitt right now, okay? Their offensive rebounding percentage is actually one of the best in the country at 33rd, at 35%. But you're missing Justin Champagny, and he is 37th best um, in, in defensive rebounding. And then he's also an elite offensive rebounder on this team. He's in the top 150 in the country at just six foot six. So you're going to be without him. No one else is particularly great on the offensive glass, not to mention the fact that Syracuse should be getting back Barama Sidibe in this matchup as well. So that's going to bolster your, your rebounding prowess. And I think when you factor those two things together, this should be a pretty dominant outing for the Orange rebounding the basketball as well. And, and that'll keep Pitt off the scoreboard for the most part. So this is probably the most interesting stat I gathered about Pitt when I was doing my research here. Last year, and again, this is last year, but Pitt is a very similar team. They just have a better freshman class coming in this year, so a little bit more talent. But honestly, from what we've seen, they've kind of stagnated as a pro. I think a lot of Pitt fans would say that they would have liked to have seen a little bit more progress from Jeff Capel on what is his third year. Anyway, last year, 26.1% of the time, opposing teams played zone defense against them, which is the third highest mark in the country. Now, it's worth noting they played Syracuse twice last year, so that definitely ups that mark. But the point is, you watch them last year, you watch them this year, teams are playing zone against them just because they think that the zone is something that can shut down their offense and is tough for them to deal with just in general, not because teams are used to playing zone like Syracuse is. So, One thing that you could look at is, okay, Pitt's used to playing zone, so the whole we added this game late and we don't have a ton of time to maybe replicate the zone in practice won't hurt them that much. But also, I think it just shows you that this is a dream matchup for the zone coming off a COVID pause because teams elected to play zone, even though it wasn't their primary defense, a lot on them last year. And when you just break down the numbers of how poor of a shooting team they are, it makes sense why they played zone. I do think why they got a decent amount of rebounds last year and so far this year is because they go against zone a lot. And also when you're shooting a lot of threes and missing a lot of threes, you get long rebounds and your offensive rebound percentage probably goes up a little bit. Yeah. Pitt doesn't shoot a lot of threes either. They're bad at shooting them, but that is an interesting number. Uh, and, And they don't shoot a lot of three pointers to go along with that putrid, putrid, Three point but if you throw a zone at them, then yeah, no, I think that is the perfect way to attack it. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to attack it. And I don't think volume shooting against well, well you have a bad three point shooting team that's going to be without at least one, maybe multiple bad three point or good three point shooters that you have on your roster. Probably not a recipe for success against Syracuse. All right, so we've spit some numbers at you. You've probably read some numbers on Twitter, but these are the numbers you need to know. We have them on every single preview. 
It's Anthony DeBundo. He's dusting off the computer right now because he hasn't done a, a stats report for us in quite some time now. All you got to go all the way back to December, back to 2020, the horror year, uh, <laughs> if you will. So DeBundo's digits. Let's get you all the numbers you need to know for this matchup right now. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's digits. On the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Welcome back. I have missed this segment more than almost anything during the 17-day layoff without Syracuse basketball. The holidays and the break were nice, but Pittsburgh is coming to the Carrier Dome for a matchup of two basketball teams that haven't played in two weeks. Let's get down to business. Pittsburgh's opening night defeat to St. Francis at home remains one of the worst non-conference losses by any high major team in the country this season. But the Panthers have improved since then. They picked up road wins at Northwestern and Miami, and with the emergence of star wing Justin Champagny, they appear to be on the upward trend, but he's now out injured and will miss this game and multiple weeks to come. The Orange have won all five meetings between the two teams since Jeff Capel took over as head coach of the Panthers. They're a solid defensive team. They rank 26th in effective field goal percentage allowed and 22nd in three-point field goal percentage. They're above average at blocking shots and generating steals too, but where Pittsburgh has issues is scoring points. The Panthers rank 223rd in three-point shooting, 321st from the free throw line, and they turn the ball over more than average. They have struggled offensively against this specific Syracuse zone for multiple years, but junior guard Xavier Johnson should have plenty of experience against it in past meetings. They'll also have forward ODE's Tony back from injury after he missed the Louisville game back on December 22nd, which was their last game, a loss. According to Ken Palm, Syracuse has a 77% chance to beat Pittsburgh by a projected score of 76 67. Bart Torvik's projection model sees the game similarly, with the Orange at 78% to win by a projected score of 76-68. Pittsburgh uses its bench players more than most teams in the country. 36.3% of their minutes come from the bench, as they rank 61st nationally in this stat. Without Champagny, Pittsburgh head coach Jeff Capel could go even more to his bench to try to replace the scoring and the production lost. The Orange, on the other hand, rank in the bottom 30 of minutes played. This could change, too, with the return of Barama Sidibe to the rotation from a meniscus injury. And the Panthers are one of the nation's youngest teams, ranking 322nd in experience. They have no seniors that are major players in their rotation and only two juniors who feature. The rest of the team is really young, and it might not be long before Capel turns the Panthers into a tournament team again. But for now, though, the Orange have the edge on both sides of the ball in terms of efficiency and should win this game. And it may be forgotten because it's been a while since we've had a game, but Quincy Guerrier's impressive start to the 2021 season is even more impressive when you look at the underlying numbers. He's cut his turnovers down by 66%, he's already made more than twice the number of threes from last season, and he's the Orange's best offensive and defensive rebounder. Guerrier's leap from freshman year to sophomore year has been the most important development of the season through seven games. He raises Syracuse's ceiling, ranking 22nd individually in the entire country in offensive efficiency. Our thanks, as always, to Anthony DeBundo. He was itching for it, too. He was ready yeah. to get back and get on to some DeBundo's digits, get you guys the numbers. We know you guys love DeBundo, so we bring them to you every single preview show that we do here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Uh, you can check out his work on Twitter, at Anthony DeBundo, and you can also find him with the Daily Orange, Anthony DeBundo. Check out all his work there. He does some analytical stuff as well as some column writing 
for the Daily Orange. All right, coming up next, we haven't done this in a while either, Tim. It is the prop shop. We're going to get you all of our hypothetical things to watch for and, and make some hypothetical plays on some hypothetical lines. And we're also going to get you the real lines courtesy of betonline.ag. That's coming up next. Just heard Tyler mention betonline.ag there. And if you're wondering what is that, it's an up-and-coming new sports book that is one of my favorites. We just partnered with it here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. And also use our promo code LOCKEDON, which is all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus, which is awesome savings. Basically, whatever number you deposit into your account. Say you want to put in $300, so you have it for some NFL games this weekend, to bet on the Syracuse game, which we're just about to give you our picks for the spread in a little bit. Any games that are out there, there's a lot of sports going on right now, a lot of sports to gamble on. If you put down $300, you'll get $150 into your free play, $150 additional dollars. So it's 50% of whatever you put down as a welcome bonus if you go to betonline.ag today. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Time for our favorite part of the show. It is the prop shop and we're going to go through some hypothetical lines and we're also going to get you the real game total and the real game spread to look out for in this game. And you can, of course, play those lines on betonline.ag. Okay, here's item number one. And I think this is going to be the real thing that everyone's watching for in this game. But Barama Sadibe's return has struck a lot of intrigue with Orange fans. How are the rotations going to shake out? Is he going to be in the starting lineup? We'll get to the starting lineup in just a little bit. But let's start with Sidibe, okay? Over or under 19 and a half minutes for Barama Sidibe in his return? I'm going to say under. I, I know he's a pit killer, and it's it, that makes me want to bet over, but the way that Beheim knowingly brought up that his conditioning isn't quite there, and he doesn't play a lot of minutes even when his conditioning is there, plus there's some blowout potential here that they just are have it in hand and they don't even want to worry about giving him too much run, so it's a, it's a pretty close to what it should be, but I'll say under. I'm also with you. I'm probably going to go the, the under route here. You also don't need the size necessarily against Pitt. You've got some athletic rebounders on your own team with Dolajai and, and Garrier that can probably handle that. Now, defensively, you might throw him out there just because he is going to bolster that defense and give you a rim protector. But I'm with you. I'm also going to go with the under here of 19 and a half. All right. Next up on the list, let, let's just get into the starting lineup here because this is something, and, and there's no real way to to assign money values to this. I don't know. Do we get 50 bucks for each pick that we do right here in, in the prop shop? But for let's just give who the starting lineup will be for the Syracuse team when they take the floor tomorrow. All right, so we'll just say if you hit it, you make some money, and if you miss it, you... I mean, we'll just all say right. 100 bucks because that's how we... Mm -hmm. We do all our Let's hypothetical bets, and I think every sort of potential starting lineup is on the table. I'm I'm very torn. I, I part of me thinks Sidibe comes out and jumps the tip, or maybe doesn't jump the tip because he's not great at that. But just in general, what we've seen is Beheim likes to just throw out a guy that's a bigger body to start the game, the day one Coleman type of philosophy, and then he doesn't mean he's the crunch time guy, but you yank him. After that, I'm going to say, though, just because it's the first game back and I don't know if he's quite there conditioning, 
Beheim's just going to arrive with the same lineup, would be my guess. The same starting five that he had before and keep Barama on the bench. Now, I do think this team will benefit from having Barama in the starting lineup long term. And once we get into the schedule and he gets fully up to speed, then I do think Beheim will go with that philosophy of definitely starting Sidibe regardless of how often he's playing and how well he's playing. All right, so just to clarify for everyone listening, so your starting lineup you're saying is Gerard, Bayheim, Griffin, Garrier, Dolajai. Yep. All right, I'm going to switch it up from you a little bit here. I'm going to go with the opening night lineup. I'm going to go with Gerard, Bayheim, uh, Quincy, Marek, and Barama. I think Barama's going to get his, uh, his starting spot back in this game. It's just one of those things. You don't lose for injury, and I think Bayheim's going to want some sort of defensive presence out there from the shoot. So give me the opening night lineup to to go out there uh, against Pitt. Let's not do this for the prop shot, but what do you think? Let's say this is a closer game at the end, and, and he throws out his crunch time lineup. Who's in the crunch time lineup? Again, I mean, we had this conversation yesterday on the show. There's a lot of variables that go into it. But, I mean, that's what's so intriguing this year is there's not a set five. I would say he's got to put out, like I talked about yesterday, Garrier, Beheim, Griffin for sure. And then it gets down to if Sidibe's not in foul trouble or if Sidibe's been playing well and he's fully conditioned like normal, he's in there. And then for me, you're probably just riding either Kadari or Joe based on who's playing better in that game. I think it might be Kadari. I really do. I think it'll be a Kadari, Buddy... Griffin, Garrier, Sidibe. And obviously, you'll see substitutions. Like, if it's a clear fouling situation or if Pitt's shooting free throws, you're going to sub Gerard into the game so you can get him the ball off the inbounds. But, yeah, that's the way I see it. I think he's going to go with some more defensive-minded lineups in crunch time. All right, let's move along here. Alan Griffin, he is the, the team's leading scorer right now, over under his average of 16.5 points in tomorrow's game. I'll say over game, say. for me, slightly over just cause he gets so many of the possessions. And even if he comes off the bench, I think that would, if you, I mean, you think he might be coming off the bench. So maybe that impacts your decision, but I, I have a lot of confidence in him just being able to score against a pit team. That's not very good. Yeah. Let me be clear though. Even though I have Griffin coming off the bench, I, I still think it could be like the last game we saw him come off the bench where he was literally in, in the first minute. Or like yeah. shortly thereafter the first minute. He was in within the first 90 seconds of the game. So just because he's not announced as a starter, he's going to play starter minutes still in my book. I'm going to go with over as well. I think this is a, a matchup that could spell some potential. And listen, Pitt's going to have to pay attention to Sidibe down low. And with some missing players as well, I don't think that bodes well for him. And I think that bodes very well for Griffin to go over his 16 and a half. All right, next up, Joe Girard. He sits at 11 and a half points on our totals here. Do you like Gerard to go over or under that number? I'll say under coming off a pause. He's a shooter. Pitt's a pretty good three point defense team. And I think his leash and just his whole, like how often he is out there. I mean, let's fit the last game we saw. He didn't play significant minutes down the stretch. Like it's easy to forget, but that was the last game. So I'll say slightly under, he always has the potential to just lead this team in scoring any given night. But I don't think the stars are really aligned to benefit his game and him being a shooter coming off this pause. I'm going to go with the over here because I feel like Joe Girard maybe learned something from the last time this team went on pause. 
that I can't go out there and be flat again. So maybe he found some sort of way to get some shots up. Or even if it's one of those drills where he's sitting in his apartment and he's just flipping the ball up and and making sure it lands on the nose or whatever. I don't know if you remember that drill or not, but you know, like there's that little park, that little like caged playground that that has the hoops right by the Syracuse campus. Maybe yeah. he got some <laughs> shots up there. I don't know, but I feel like he tro- probably found a way to be active shooting the ball during this pause. So give me the over. I don't think he's going to be as sluggish. All right, Bet Online AG has this number as of us recording this right now at nine and a half. Now that number may have moved overnight, or it may have moved in the morning, or it may have moved if the announcement of who's in and who's out has become official. But right now, our number is nine and a half. Do you like Syracuse to cover a nearly double-digit spread? Yeah, I mean, take it to the bank. I'm very confident in this one. And I know those are your famous last words, but this is kind of how I felt about the BC game going into it. Maybe not quite to that degree. I think they win this game probably 71 to 50, and it's never really in doubt throughout the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think this has very similar BC vibes to it. Give me Syracuse to win this game 83 to 65. I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty easy game for for them to to pull off a victory. And our total in this game on BetOnlineAG, as of us recording this, 142.5. So your number has it going pretty well under. Yeah, Meanwhile, I don't think I've Pitt's going to do enough to help that. Yeah, I, I would. I would go I've under. I've got that, that game. Easily. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got the game going over just slightly by about six points. So if you like either of our picks, go to BetOnline.ag. Sign up for a free account. Use our our referral code Locked On. You'll get a fifty percent welcome bonus. So um, I also think like. This could be one of those games where Syracuse goes over 100. I get that they're coming off a pause, but even coming off a pause against Bryant, they still put up high 80s. So, and Bryant, Pitt, it's obviously not the same caliber of team that they're going up against, but I I think Syracuse could put up a pretty, pretty big number in this game. It's just going to be, like you said, it might be a matter of can Pitt carry their own weight in yeah. this matchup. So. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. We will be tweeting along the way, so be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. And remember, this is a 4.30 game today. I think it was supposed to be a a 7 o'clock tip when it was originally the Florida State matchup. Instead, they have moved that tip time up to 4.30. So um, if you were planning on a 7 o'clock tip, don't cancel your plans for for cancel that last meeting or whatever so you can watch this game all right so for tim i'm tyler we will break it down with you the result of this game first thing with you thursday morning so be sure to subscribe to us and you will have that recap podcast in your feed first thing in the morning all right we will talk to you guys tomorrow